I can't hear you. We can hear you, George. Can you hear us, George? He lost George again. He lost him again. I love it. He was the one. He's the one that said, "Let's get going. Let's get going on yeah. this." I just lost you there. My audacity just literally shut down and didn't record, so I'm going to have to get started again. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is ridiculous. Yeah, I think George lost his sound again. He's got to get different headphones because was that echoing bad for you guys? Yeah. yeah. Can you hear us, George? It might not yeah, be echoing. Yeah, it just keeps it, it, uh, keeps knocking me off this headset like automatic just every once in a while, and I have to go back back to the vault. Do you have other headphones? Do you have that. Apple ones or anything? I'll wait till somebody's asking a question, then run and get them. You're done, then I'll go to Les. Go grab them. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> You're heartless. You're heartless. Plus the sound again. I don't know. He might be no part of this podcast. I'll just cut him out. <laughs> he didn't say all anything all particularly interesting anyway, so just fucking cut yeah. him out. Yeah. <laughs> all, all over again. It is what it is. Yeah. Who cares? Okay, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Uh. <laughs> like, I'm actually embarrassing myself. I don't know what the fuck is going on. This isn't a typical snow day podcast. It's a little bit more of a mini. As I think you probably picked up, George had some audio troubles. And we hadn't been together in a while, so what ensued was a bit of a rambling conversation. We've sort of cut it down to snippets. Here is episode 36, COVID-4. I'm going to drop a, a disclaimer. Okay, all you pod listeners out there. This is a complete re-recording on my part. My audio sucked and was super annoying. So if it sounds a little bit stilted and rehearsed, it's because it is. So my apologies, and some things may not make sense with the flow, like when Les calls me out on the incorrect use of oxymoron because I used it like a fucking moron. I am. I, I don't live in fear. I'm not fearful of getting this disease. And I've taken care of people who are my age that have died of this disease. So I know that there. I know that's a bit of an oxymoron, uh, but I, I'm just not fearful. That's, that's not my personality. Then he was right. I did misuse it. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. And I'm sure we've all had a bad tequila episode in our youth. CEO Leslie Hansen. Do you think Murph could take Larry in nine holes? For sure. You should tell him he'll play him for the 225. <laughs> you should. You, you tell him I'll stake him. I'll stake <laughs> him and he can play Larry for the 225. <laughs> Me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. Interesting. I don't want to go right back to clamp down. I think I'm a phase two guy. I don't want to be quarantined in my house, but I want lots of things to be locked down. Leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. And it's weird not to be able to give them a hug because I'm a huggy guy, right? Snow Day Podcast is up and running. It's late August 2020. Episode 36 is a look into our worlds and the bigger world while we're still in the grip of COVID-19. 
Canadian Tire in Thompson is like the beaches of Florida. There is no COVID in Canadian Tire in Thompson. <laughs> not, not according to anyone that's in there. There's there's no lines on the floor. There's no hand washing. There's no masks. It's you walk in there and it could be three years ago. Like it's it is the craziest scene. They have those tight little aisles and it's just it's just a different piece of the world. It's bizarre. And some other spots in Thompson are a little bit better. I mean, Safeway's got the lines on the floor. Um, Walmart is a gong show in there too. Like it's just, again, it's, it's as if there's no issue, but even in Thompson, cause we've had no cases here since April in Northern Manitoba. I mean, nobody wears masks. I, I shouldn't say nobody, but it, it's, you are in the massive minority. I mean, I haven't worn one yet. I started my traveling again just recently. If I went to Hamilton, went through Toronto, which was weird. I think there's about 10 of us at the whole airport. I have to be honest, you know, my high energy when I was on that plane doing three different jobs at once, I just felt good because I was moving again. And that's just me. I like, I like to move and I like to connect with people. It's weird, man. I mean, I got back. I'm self-isolating. I haven't hugged Bray for like 48 hours, but I was even hanging with some close friends in Hamilton. And it's weird not to be able to give them a hug because I'm a huggy guy, right? I just, I don't like that. That's the part I hate the most is uh, the lack of connection. Steve, didn't you do something like give a hug, get a hug when you used to work Australia a little bit more frequently? Can you imagine that in Thompson, a whole bunch of kids at Canadian Tire uh, setting up, you know, gift wrapping, give a hug, get a hug, how like insane that would be and how that would make the news? From a business perspective, honestly, I know, I know Les doesn't like my perspective on the business thing. and I'm a business owner, but, you know, I think we should put health over wealth, right? Uh, you know, I believe yeah. that. That's how I feel. I just, uh, I hope we do it right. I just hope we do it right where there's less casualties. Lester's all about wealth over health. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's nonsense. I never said that. I never said that. Yeah, no, I'm bugging you. But you can't control other people, right? And there was even an announcement, like, you know, let people, you know, in front of you go in an orderly fashion. As soon as the seatbelt sign goes up, people are up face to face. And I'm, I just feel like, I just, you know, I'm feeling like I'm going back to the vegetarian a podcast, but I literally feel like just throwing people around and going, like, this is other people's, you know, health. You know, I don't care how safe you feel. It's about, you know, whatever, the abundance of care. Steve, I don't know how much you moved around Toronto when you're here, but you're walking down Queen Street and you're in shoulder to shoulder traffic of, of people on the sidewalk. Two weeks ago, I was downtown. Yeah, crazy. Insane. Yeah. And, and it was really starting to divide into two types of people. You could see the people who just didn't care were completely comfortable, no mask, didn't care. And people who were being super vigilant and were being irritated by the people that didn't care. So it was almost like you, you could feel a bit of a division in the population and a palpable tension developing. And it wasn't a very fun, positive feeling. Toronto got to the point where residential construction was allowed again. So I resumed the, uh, the renovation project on my loft. So Alex and I uh, had to move out for a while to let the contractors back in. So we've actually been staying with her parents. Uh, so living with the in-laws, so to speak, for the last, uh, it was supposed to be two weeks. We're now in uh, week five, I think. They hate you, Les. They hate you. They haven't thrown me out yet, but I, I have realized that I better keep being the guy that buys all the alcohol. Case of beer, case of wine. Being out here, just being in a living environment where... You know, you can just open the door and walk out into the backyard or walk into the driveway and wave to the neighbor who's, you know, 30 yards away instead of four feet away when you live in a condo building, right? 
just that reduction of tension has been really nice. Let me get this straight. You've gone from doing nothing at home to doing nothing with your in-laws. Uh, you've made a really big sacrifice. Yes, correct. I do a lot more out here, but it's all leisure oriented. <laughs> I've been playing some golf, Jorge. Hey, Bruce, can you tell that story where Murphy played like a hundred holes in one day? Did I get that right? Yeah, so Murph and Brady, his cousin, made a plan to do a hundred holes in one day. And they got it done, which is absolutely crazy. I think they were mildly inspired by uh, me and Jim Rudd and Harold Smith and another guy. We did the Northern Lights Golf Odyssey, Thompson, Snow Lake, Flin Flon, and the Paw in one day, which was 36 holes and like 500K of travel. Wow. So they wanted to do something cool too and legitimately golfed 100 holes. And so they started at 6.04 and finished at 11.24 at night, basically as night fell. <laughs> you may have to explain for the listeners that that's really only possible way up in northern Manitoba. <laughs> that you well, actually have daylight from 6 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. <laughs> well, and you know what? We were so mad at them that they didn't start earlier. Like They could have started at 4.30 in the morning easily. It's totally sunlight. Fuck, that would make me furious. What the hell's wrong with your son? <laughs> Slacker. Lazy. So they were battling the uh, battling the light a little bit at the end, and it's kind of funny because there was a few like grumpy old men members that were mad at them because they didn't really make a big deal of it. They just went and played, and Murphy has the key to the place because he works there, and so they just kind of rolled through and did their thing. They used two power carts, like they ran a cart out of out of power and had to get another one. And so at <laughs> one point, Larry McCauley, our old teacher, tried to charge him two hundred and twenty five bucks for cart rentals because <laughs> he played eleven <laughs> rounds. <laughs> <laughs> and good for Murphy. He owned up to it. He said, yeah, we didn't. He said, okay, I'll pay you. And then Larry backed <laughs> off on him a little bit. Do you think Murph could take Larry in nine holes? For sure. You should tell him he'll play him for the 225. <laughs> you should. You, you tell him I'll stake him. I'll stake <laughs> him and he can play Larry for the 225. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier than winning $225 off of Larry McCauley. Larry for McCauley. some odd reason, which I can't explain. I haven't seen the guy in 30 years. They're forever. <laughs> it just feels right. My first golf clubs off uh, Larry McCauley. Really? He was trying to get rid of his old uh, clubs, which ended up being shitty. <laughs> so there you go. George is in for half the stake. We're in for one twelve fifty a piece. I really don't like the idea of the reopening, and I can't decide if that's because I like the world like this. I didn't think I would, and I had sort of said it in one of our very first pods, and I thought by now I'd be sick of it. I'm not. Like, I like kind of not getting together and I sort of like the world being clamped down. I've, I've just fallen into a really nice groove. And so when we get to phase three and phase four, I'm like, no, I don't want it. And I can't figure out if it's because I'm worried about the population in the world or I just don't want to go back to maybe some of the other responsibilities I had and the things that I was doing. And I shouldn't say struggling with it. I don't stay up at night, but I do get some anxiety when I hear we're going to phase three and phase four and I just kind of don't want it to happen. I like where we're at and I'm sort of following up on what Les said, because we're in Thompson, we have some space I don't have to put on a mask every time I open my door. And we're not getting together with groups of big people. We haven't been to a party with 20 or 30 people, but we get together with my brother and we have beers around the fire with our neighbors and stuff. So we've, we've sort of found a little bit of a balance in terms of, you know, hanging out with people. And interesting, I don't want to go right back to clamp down. I think, I, I think I'm a phase two guy. I don't want to be quarantined in my house, but I want lots of things to be locked down. A personal and a professional take on this. You guys know personally, I, I don't get sick very often, so I, I'm not particularly scared of getting this disease, uh, which is funny because professionally, I've taken care of people my age, younger and older, that have gotten this disease and have gotten very sick and, and have died. Um, and I can't be fearful, otherwise nothing ever moves forward, both personally and professionally. 
So from a professional perspective, uh, you know, we have to open up. Uh, Cases have to go up. Uh, I mean, it would be ridiculous for anybody listening or have thought about this for a moment that when we reopen up the economy um, and schools, that cases have to go back up. But we need to go through this process. Otherwise, how will we ever know? Uh, and, um, and we're prepared this time. In the re-recording, George conveniently forgot the oxymoron part and tried to cover it up with this disclaimer. Okay, so another disclaimer. I can't actually remember everything I'd said, but I think that was the gist of it. And this is where I said oxymoron. I am, I, I don't live in fear. I'm not fearful of getting this disease. And I've taken care of people who are my age that have died of this disease. So I know that there, I know that's a bit of an oxymoron. I agreed with everything George said, other than he misused the term oxymoron, but I won't beat him up too badly for that. He's exactly correct that we have to learn from this. It's a learning process and we have to see what we can do. I think one of the most interesting things that we learned as a nation that everyone should take some solace from is that we know that we can lock down and we can beat this virus when we need to. So as we slowly open up and the infection rates get worse and then we're like, okay, we got to go back from phase four to three to two or whatever it is in your given province, whatever number you're using, we know we can do it, right? We did it once. We know we can do it. And I think that's a huge and important learning for society and for the medical community in Canada. Guys, I don't miss going to restaurants and bars. I don't give a shit if they, they're reopening. I'm not going to go to a fucking restaurant, so I don't care. I think the only thing we should be focused on right now is a proper plan to reopen schools because that's the most important thing uh, in society for two reasons. Number one, we have to figure out what to do with kids and what's in the best interest of them, you know, not only from an education, but an overall health and mental health aspect. We got to keep them physically healthy, but keeping them at home if the situation is not sorted out is not mentally healthy for them. I know there's a lot of smart people working on that. Maybe it's kind of funny for me. I'm the only guy here that doesn't have kids. And I'm saying we need to focus on schools. But guys, I see it. I see it with my employees. The ones who have kids, they're like, fuck, I don't know. What am I doing with my kids in the fall? I don't know if they're going back to school. I don't know if I'm homeschooling them. I have no idea what's going on. It's incredibly stressful for them. It makes it impossible for them to plan the next six months of their lives. Until they know what's going on with their kids in school, they can't focus on their work life. They can't be their best employee to me. And it's, I think it's the linchpin of everything right now that as a society, we need to figure out. Back to the wealth thing, eh? It's it's hurting you, Hanson. Bruce, <laughs> it's, it's a trickle down effect. If it hurts me, it eventually hurts you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and many of my children's friends uh, feel something dramatically has changed in their life without having any school And I think what they're feeling is this uh, gigantic ball of anxiety when something got ripped out of their lives and everybody is struggling to fill in a gigantic hole. They're definitely feeling it. Beautiful. I love the school point and I'm so glad you made that because I I had no idea and I think a lot of people didn't just how important that was. Everybody has their piece of society, right? Like we think you know, major league sports was super important and and the ripple effects of not having that is pretty big too, right? Around people's mental health and stuff that we do and everything. But to me, the the school one was one that I don't think I understood until it was clamped down like that. And just the the ripples out of that are insane. Y'all ready for this?
Okay, we're going to jump to the lightning round, and it's a question around pro sports starting up. So right now, there's lots of debate. The Blue Jays can't play in Canada right now, which <laughs> the Blue Jay players hate, but I think a lot of people are happy that uh, many American teams are not coming to Canada. We got the pod thing happening with hockey. We got the bubble thing going on with basketball. So where are we at, guys? Do we think, A, that pro sports should even get going again in light of just basically how their world works? Um, and do you think any of those models can work? I, I, I absolutely didn't want the Blue Jays playing in Toronto. I mean, <laughs> you know, screw that. You're going to have baseball teams from Arizona and Texas and Florida flying into Toronto to play baseball. Like, give me a break. That's just a disaster. We got to keep that border closed. <laughs> you sometimes get surprised on what you don't miss. And I don't give a shit about this at all. Less said. All of our efforts should be in trying to get all of the children back to school in a safe manner, not letting boys play a whole bunch of sports, which are really about a monetary bottom line, not like they said some mental health thing. So again, I don't give a shit about seeing some sort of truncated playoff series, uh, which is not even realistic. Again, to Steve's comments, it is wealth over health. I'm not even mad about it. I get why they're doing it. Uh, I'm just in no way interested. Uh, and I would, I would agree with George. I, I think it's sad that we're so concerned with sports and less about education and health. I've always had a problem when everything was going well. I've always had a problem with how much we pay athletes and movie stars and how little we give to the healthcare and the education systems. I agree with you guys that I don't think it's a priority that society should be focusing on. But the one different angle I will take is that, you know, this isn't government organization or government resources that are going into making this happen. So if ESPN and Disney and the NBA and the 30 billionaire owners of the NBA want to focus on putting NBA basketball back on the court. So be it. Our tax dollars aren't paying for that. A lot of the professional athletes are young and we're starting to see uh, the younger the younger generation's uh, attitude around this, the sneaking around, the breaking curfews. So I think generally it's not a good idea. The renegade attitudes of some of the athletes is just going to be another uh, another area that's going to be hard to contain. Yeah, the NBA actually has a snitch line. They have an anonymous snitch line so players can rat each other out because they know they're all going to be trying to break quarantine and trying to get women in the bubble and, you know, all the things that young millionaires uh, are going to want to do after 50 or 80 days in isolation. So that's going to be entertaining to watch. I haven't followed all of the sports, what their plans are. Other than basketball, I know exactly what the NBA is trying to do. And I think they do have the best plan. And I think it's an interesting plan from a sociological standpoint, because what Steve is saying is really interesting. From George's aspect, we're going to learn from a scientific standpoint, can we bring a thousand people together into a virtual bubble and try to keep all of them healthy and try to keep infection rates at zero for 100 days? It's going to be interesting to see if it can be done. Whether they're playing basketball or whether they're doing something else while they're in there, it's kind of an interesting scientific experiment, like something that NASA would do. You've got all these people in Florida, which right now is the you know possibly the worst outbreak in the world they're having problems with testing they've got limited testing resources but these nba athletes are probably tested every single day and you know somebody who's um you know a, a lower income with no health insurance who is symptomatic might wait 10 days to get a, a test result back and you know millionaire nba players are going to get tested every day and get the results in 12 hours 
and that's you know there's a darkness to that that I think is unavoidable. So I'm a little torn on whether or not I whether I think this should happen or not. Having said that, I will absolutely watch every game because I'm uh, I am weak. I'm not disciplined enough to say I'm not going to watch because I think it's wrong. Since Les is uh, admitting something, because I don't want to appear that I'm holier than thou, you know, when Dana White about two months ago had that Fight Island or some funny name, and he, uh, you know, he put together a fight card. You know, I went over to a friend's house and watched it for that very reason that Les says, is that I was starving for that excitement that adrenaline that is inherent in all sports uh the win the loss the anguish uh so i did it and he seemingly did it in a fairly successful way uh and and now another point to what les said that if people are willing to pay for it out of private dollars it doesn't matter well i think it matters because the consequences could bear down heavily on the public So if these young athletes are responsible for localized outbreaks and they go back to their families and create outbreaks for other people, well, those people are not going to be able to have the same state-of-the-art health care, unlimited resources to get the proper care, uh, whereas the public will have to obviously use the public health care system, and then that uh, gets transferred on to the public taxpayer. Yeah, I agree with that, George. That's where I was going to go with it, Lester, was the, the, the testing part of it really bugs me. And probably, again, because we see that at work so much, right? We're, we're dealing with the most vulnerable populations and to steal tests from them puts a... And I'm not saying you're steal, directly stealing it, but there are only so many tests in the world. The, the effects of trying to isolate those folks and look after them if they end up sick and everything, it's, it's crazy. So that, that really kind of stings, like you say, that they get tested every day or every couple of days. Uh, the flip side is kind of what we talked about with the schools and what Steve said with mental health is just, I mean, the, the group of guys I play hockey with, talking about the games and the players and all that is a huge part of everybody's life. And it's, I'm, I'm the lowest on that scale, but even I'm, I'm into it, right? I want to know what's going on and it's, it's good banter. And so translate that to every sport in the world. And, and there really is, there's a mental health piece there too. Bubble's probably the best chance. The hub city thing with hockey, I think is hopeless. I mean, exactly what Steve said. If you think you're going to put five hockey teams in a hotel and they're all going to stay there and they're 25 years old, like that's ludicrous. And the baseball one moving people around, it's it's stupid. I think there's a 50-50 chance at best that the NBA makes it through the season, makes it through this process without having to shut it down. I, and I think that's by far the best odds of the other sports. But I'm interested. It'll be, George, it'll be interesting to see if you can put a thousand people in a bubble and keep them all healthy. Like, it's an interesting thought process. As you can imagine, I wash my hands quite a bit. And uh, we spoke about this in other pods. And people know that lots of industries are stepping up and making medical supplies. Well, uh, the last batch of the alcohol hand wash that I use is clearly being made in Mexico because it all smells like tequila. And it's gross because you wash your hands so much, you have this constant smell of tequila. And I'm sure we've all had a bad tequila episode when in our youth. And, uh, you know, I sometimes feel like I'm going to throw up a little bit in my mouth, uh, remembering uh, 18 years old in Winnipeg. Okay, let's wrap it there. Uh, we are going to do your when's the, the last time, George, next time around, and it's when's the last time you vomited. Less, less chickened out on us, and the tequila probably made you think about it. But we've got, you've got three weeks to think about it. That's it. That's the end. 
you probably found us already on social media, but if not, at Snow Day Pod, tell your friends. We've also got an email, snowdaypod at gmail.com. Send us a voice memo. Maybe we'll put your voice on the show. Thanks to the rest of our team, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon B. Song. <laughs>